Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. We started a series last week here at AP called Into the World, talking about how Jesus didn't just save us, he saved us so we could be sent. He saved us so we could be sent to serve and to shine in this world for the kingdom of God. And listen, that requires something. It requires faith. It requires faith. And today we've had an incredible day, a super fun day, an AP Kids Takeover Day that we're celebrating what God is doing in our sons and daughters. And, and if you remember from last week, we talked about how God has sent us into specific places. God has sent us into specific places of societal influence in the world. There are places of societal influence. Throw those on the screen really quick. There are seven places. Religion, government, business, arts, entertainment, media, education. What's the last one? family. Family. Who created family? God. In fact, he made humanity so he could have a family. God created family. Now, let me ask you a question. Has God called us into all seven of those mountains? You're learning that God has called every believer into one of those mountains to serve and to shine for the kingdom of God. But I'm here today because I need you to understand something. Of all of those seven mountains, the family mountain is the prize. The family mountain is the most extraordinary. Guess what mountain Satan wants the most? He wants family. Why family? Number one, because God created and established the principle of family. But understand something about family. Family is the place where we learn what love is. Family is the place where we understand trust and encouragement. Family is the place where, listen, where we either become spiritually and emotionally healthy people or we don't. Family is the place where, guess what, sons and daughters, hearts and minds are shaped and cultivated. And here's what I need us to understand why this is important. Why our kids' ministry, our student ministry, hear me, uh, these generational ministries are not window dressing to attract people to our church. These generational ministries, listen, they should be foundational to the local church. Do you want to know why? Because Satan is after sons and daughters, he is after our children. And let me go ahead and tell you something. We at this church, we prioritize our sons and daughters. But listen, we don't just prioritize them. We love them, we lead them, and we are committed to discipling them. We are committed to discipling them. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Because if the church does not disciple sons and daughters, the world will gladly do it for us. They will gladly do it for us. And so I, I'm going to be talking more about the seven mountain next week and about the mountain of family. But understand, this mountain is so important that the influencers and other mountains like government and education, they literally target and go after the mountain of family. Why do they do that? Because when they go after the family, they're getting the generations that are following us right now. 
They're trying to shape them. They're trying to teach them the wrong morals and the wrong beliefs. They're trying to give them the wrong perspective of, of, of the things that we should be teaching our sons and daughters from the Word of God. And so what does that mean? Let me get real plain today. You know what that means? That means that we should be fighting. Somebody say fighting. We should be fighting for our families. We should be fighting for our sons and our daughters. And you say, well, Pastor, what about if mine are grown? Fight for them too. But listen, not just biological sons and daughters, but spiritual sons and daughters spiritual sons and daughters. Let me tell you guys a story as, as I'm getting ready to close because I told you I'm almost done. How many of you guys know we've gotten a lot of snow the last couple weeks? Like if you're watching online, you don't know anything about me. I love the snow. Have you guys seen those videos of the panda bears rolling around in the snow? That's what I am like when it snows outside. Man, I love it. Snow angels, snowballs, forts, uh, sledding, you name it. I'll tell them myself. I actually threw a snowball at one of the windows of our house to startle my mother-in-law, and I broke the window. Thank God it was double pain. Thank you, Jesus. But I still, listen, I still got that look from Melissa. You know that, guys, you know that look I'm talking about where her eyebrows are slightly raised, but she's not blinking. <laughs> and like, like, you know, like, I tried to shield myself from it, but it melted the snow around me because it was death in her eyes. Hi, dear, I love you so much. You look fantastic today. Don't give me that look, please, please. So when the snow melts, i got to find all the glass. And if anybody knows any uh, window repair people, let me know. Uh, I covet your prayers during this season. Um, but here's what's funny. Of all that snow, listen, for almost, I've been in Cincinnati now for almost five years. It'll be five years later this year. And for five years, I've been asking the Lord to send that big snow. Because we usually get like one or two inches of snow. You can't do anything with one or two inches of snow. Lord, send that big snow that's awesome. And he finally sent it this year, and I've had so much fun. Well, this second round of snow, I had a good old southern boy rookie mistake. Let me tell you what I did. So it started snowing, and you guys know with our driveways and different places, if you don't scrape that snow, it's not a good idea to leave it there. Well, I didn't scrape the snow when it was coming down. I was like, it's so pretty. I don't want to touch it. It's so fun. <laughs> like, let's stay inside and, and do nothing. And so that's what I did. But all of a sudden, then it started to sleet, and the ice came. And all of a sudden, the next day when I needed to leave the house, I had a little bit of a problem. Because not only was it snow, I can scrape the snow, but there was like this thick of ice everywhere. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't get out of my house. I got to go. Like, I'm standing out there in my shorts and my boots trying to make this thing work, and it's not working. <laughs> and here's what's really interesting. As I'm out there with a metal shovel, literally banging, oh, my Lord, thank you, um, <laughs> trying to pound that ice open trying to pound it, just, just break it so I can shovel it. And then to top it off, the guys that plow our neighborhood, all the snow and ice now on our driveway, entryway, I was mad at them. Y'all, I'd have egged their house if I didn't know where they live. I was mad. And I'm out there doing that. And here's what's interesting. You guys know I love the snow, but all of a sudden, what was a gift to me in the snow, because I've been asking the Lord for it. All of a sudden, I wasn't celebrating that snow. I was condemning that snow. It wasn't fun anymore. Now I was getting frustrated and irritated. I threw the shovel down 15 minutes and I said, "Hun, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I give up. And then I went back outside and tried to do it again. But what's interesting is that 
the gift itself, like God did his job, right? God gave the snow because I asked for it. And then the snow did its job because it piled up like it's supposed to. And all of a sudden, I'm frustrated and angry and irritated, and it's nobody else's problem except mine. Because I should have shoveled the snow faster. And because I didn't, I got stuck. And see, this is when God started talking to me. Out there in my boots and my basketball shorts. Look at Melissa. She said, Zarek, you look ridiculous. I was like, hon, everybody loves me in the neighborhood, but they don't even know who I am, so it's fine. <laughs> but he wasn't talking to me about snow. He started talking to me about sons and daughters. Because remember, I just shared a scripture with you from Psalm 127 that said, children are gifts from God. And they are a reward from him. But I started thinking about how that in our society that we live in right now, children aren't celebrated the way they used to be celebrated. If anything, now what we find is a lot of people don't celebrate their kids, they condemn their kids. They don't value and, and appreciate their kids. And, 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 and listen, they forget that their gifts and rather than, than raising and having fun with their kids, they stay frustrated. And then they start to blame their children for being children. Hear me for a minute. All of a sudden, what is a gift from God, all of a sudden what's a reward has become this responsibility that people are like, well, well, I mean, I just wish I'd have never had kids or I'm not going to spend time with them and I wish somebody else would take care of them so I can do what I want. And, and here's what I thought about the same way I thought about the snow. God gave you a gift in your kids. He's given this world gifts in children. And listen, he's done what he's supposed to do. And guess what? When kids are kids, they're being who they're supposed to be. But what's interesting is that for those of us that have been blessed with the reward of having children, there is a responsibility that comes with that reward. And listen to me, it is not an obligation to raise your children. It is a beautiful opportunity given to you by God. A beautiful opportunity given to you. Listen, to where your kids are one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given, and it's a joy to love them. It's a joy to lead them. It's a joy to teach them and to raise them. But the enemy has come in, and guess what? You say, Pastor, how do you know society doesn't value kids anymore? I've got over 60 million reasons why society doesn't value kids anymore. Because I see kids being exploited and rejected. I see children being, being treated in ways that no child should ever have to endure. And you say, how is that something that we should care about? Because those are gifts from God. And listen to me, church. We, as the church, should not be expecting the government to raise our kids. We should not expect education to train our kids in the ways of the Lord. It's the church's opportunity and blessing to raise sons and daughters. But the reality is, is we have to make a choice to say, Lord, if we're going to call them gifts and a reward, there comes a responsibility in our house, in the church house, to raise them, to love them, 
to disciple them and be the ones that are cheering them on as they accomplish everything God has set in their hearts to accomplish. If you believe that, somebody say amen. And God reminds us of this in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah is leading a nation. He's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they are being attacked on every side, the people of God. And in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14, literally God uses Nehemiah. Nehemiah says this. He says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight. Somebody say fight. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And then I go down six verses later after they begin to fight and something happens and it's declared right there and it says, and God will fight for you. He will fight for you. But hear me. If we believe in this season that we need to pay attention to the mountain of family, that we need to fight for family, listen to me, be encouraged. I know that things are dark. I know things are evil. I know things are struggling, and it looks like things aren't getting better. But if you will stand up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and fight for your family and fight for your home, God gives a promise that he will then fight for you. He'll fight for you. If you'll fight for your family, he said, I'll fight for you. So, Pastor, how do we fight for our sons and our daughters? Come on, everybody stand to your feet. How do we fight for our sons and our daughters? Really quick, there's four things I wrote down. Number one, you got to prioritize them. Listen, they are not an afterthought. They're gifts from God. Number two, what do we do? We love them unconditionally. Please hear me. Biologically or in the faith, let's love our sons and daughters. Number three, we lead them somewhere. It's not enough to just tell them you love them. If you love them, you'll lead them somewhere. And then finally, number four, you ready? We will disciple our sons and our daughters. We'll disciple them. We will disciple them. Jesus actually said in Matthew 18, verse 10, he said, beware of those who look down on these little ones. How many of you guys know that it is a privilege to disciple sons and daughters? It is a privilege to disciple sons and daughters. So I'm going to tell you, in this season, the world needs the church to prioritize the family to prioritize the biblical concept of family, to fight for what God established as the home, as a dad and mom and sons and daughters. And we need to fight for the family in this season. And I've got good news. When you fight for the family, God fights for you.